0: Welcome to the official podcast of Copper and Blue. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Joining me are my co-hosts, Shona Hickmore and Gerard Murray. And, uh, well, it's more of the same for the Edmonton Oilers this week. They had one game last week due to COVID kind of wiping out their schedule. And it was against uh, the Ottawa Senators, one of the worst teams in the league. You thought that the Oilers could go in there, kind of exercise their demons and get a win out of this. And for a lot of the period a lot of the game, it looked like they do that. They had a 3-1 lead going to the third period. And then everything fell apart once again. They let in five goals against in the third period alone. They lose the game five to four. Or was it six to four? Six to four. So they let yeah, they let in five goals. Six to four is the final score. Um, proving that this team is really just not that great right now. Does they just can't find uh once you think they hit rock bottom, they reach another low. Uh Stuart Skinner was the goalie in that game. He didn't look he looked good for stretches in the first 40 minutes, but the team kind of let him down in the final 20 minutes, and he just didn't play that well in the final 20 minutes. So the Oilers losing streak extends to six games. They've lost 12 of their last 14, I believe. And um, you know. We're just here out of the playoffs with Connor McDavid in his seventh year in the league. So what are you guys thinking right now? Because I have a lot on my mind when it comes to the Emerson Winners right now.
1: Almost too much to talk about, really. Um, <laughs> I mean, frankly, with loss to the Ottawa Senators, it's one thing to lose to the Ottawa Senators who are frankly not even doing that badly on their own. Like I think they're on like a 7-3-1 and one run or something like that. It's just the way they lost to the them right it's one thing you know six to four if it was like you know three you know two to two four to one whatever like throughout the game it's another the way they lost it is just the soul crusher for me
0: yeah
2: i think um the thing i mo- i find most disappointing about that loss other than you know um you only had to hold it together for 20 more minutes is that i can't what i can't understand is how I don't know, maybe this is just as a, a person who's not in hockey, but like, did, was it just like, nothing is working for you? Or were you just unable to adjust when you saw things start to slip away? You know, um, when they got one back, you know, as a team where the Oilers, you know, making adjustments, or did they like, um, tighten up and like, compound their fuck-ups which I think we we know what the answer there is right based on the results but I would just think that you know by this point with this team you would hope there'd be a little less nerves jitters inability to hold on to a leadness going on you know I don't know. I would hope that those things would be a little less prevalent in their play, and um, if the players aren't able to do it, you would hope that some member of the coaching staff would have the ability to redirect their team as to not uh, completely implode. You might wish for that in, let's say, a head coach, perhaps.
0: Yeah, maybe the head you know? coach. Uh, yeah, I, you know. I don't.
2: I don't know. Like somebody like that, that you know, is. Good with the hockey? Could maybe course correct the team in the period?
1: I mean, you mean a good hockey man.
0: <laughs> a good, a nope. good hockey man.
1: Hockey <laughs> I, I feel like
2: hockey, hockey man it. need not apply.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I wait, said wait, someone wait.
2: who's good with hockey, not hockey man.
0: <laughs> you know who a good hockey man is that the Oilers have? Duncan Keith. Where's He should be leadershiping this out of the team. about this happening?
1: Distinct lack of leadershiping in the third period against yeah. Olin, I will say. <laughs>
0: um you know i
2: actually found it very interesting that my um twitter timeline i i uh, looked at it the morning after the ottawa game to find that there was already a delightful article about how Stuart skinner would never cut it or cut it as an edmonton oilers uh, uh for string goalie and i i thought that was a, a bit
0: yeah you know you you warned of this i think <laughs> I, <laughs> I believe you said that the this Oilers exactly media hates
2: goalies um but <laughs> Yes. I, months ago, I told you that they will turn on him, um, but I just, I found it like so very interesting. Like one, one game, he has one truly atrocious period and suddenly he's no longer fit to be an NHL goalie. I I don't know, like, God, I hope no one else judges my work performance that harshly.
0: That's and even on
1: um that, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, that's that's because the Oilers' mainstream media, the people who cover the Oilers in the journal, Sportsnet, you know the usual suspects, they've chosen their narrative, and their narrative is goaltending is the issue with the team. Nothing else. So if the Oilers are going to lose and have six goals, five goals scored against their goalie, it's not that the team gave up as a whole. It's that the goalie was bad, and he should be... And he shouldn't do that. So it's it's just a cop out from a lot of the people covering the Oilers no, right now, just I, to blame goaltending.
2: I don't believe it's valid in the least, especially if I can see oh. who wrote that particular piece. um But I do think that it's super interesting how quickly it hit the presses. You know, yeah. I think um for whatever reasons are behind it, the media machine is cranking out a narrative where the Oilers aren't actually that bad. And I mean, all you have to do is apply some, oh God, let me say it, critical thought. Maybe I'll just go back to swearing, um, to see that in a lot of the underlying metrics, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. So there um, has to be some other reason why they're performing so poorly. Because, you know, the Oilers are one of the few teams in the NHL that can take the some, They've always been able to do this it's been like a 15 year odyssey The some component of their parts which are fantastic they've got some truly wonderful parts on their team and make them less by combining them it's astoundingly amazing that they can continue to do this yeah so
0: jared finish your thought there that i i, I cut in on
1: oh no um i was gonna say i found it especially amusing how i feel like there was almost a build up to that um the skinner gaff that i'm sure a lot of the media are pointing to because there are some goals where he should have made the save obviously but that play behind the net they had practiced that and there was video of them practicing exactly that same play i think it was ryan shrug that tweeted it puck goes like winding behind the net goaltender gets it with his backhand he passes it out to the defenseman off the boards that exact moment happens against the ottawa senators and it goes into their own net. So.
0: <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I mentioned this in, in post game too. That it's like it's almost like they're coaching this type of behavior in their goaltenders. Uh, they're trying to Mike Smith every goaltender that comes through the system. And you know, you can <sighs> add on the goaltender coach Dustin Schwartz. Yeah, that'd be the easy one. But who has the strongest relationship with Mike Smith? Who's whispering in the ear of the goaltender coach, saying, "Hey, we need we need all our guys to be like Smitty over there and, and play the puck." So it's, uh, you mean, there's a reason why there's only like one Mike four, Smith, right? Yeah. Um, Smith,
2: yeah. And there's a reason why he's had such a mediocre career overall. Exactly. You know? Um, <laughs> sorry, whoops. Oh, that was, that was actually pretty mean. And that was a goalie. I generally like those, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. Mike Smith's played four unimpressive. I think it's like four unimpressive games this season. So maybe we don't need more Mike Smith.
1: Hey, 2012 need- was a good year. <laughs>
2: 2012 was a good year. I was like 10 years younger. I enjoyed it too. And you both were like children. So don't even with me.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, I just, you can get mad at the goalie, you know, Miko Koskinen has done plays like that before as well, but you have to look behind them and look at that clip that you mentioned Gerard and be like, well, they're almost encouraging this type of behavior at this point. They're not recognizing it's a problem. They're trying to force something.
2: They're literally practicing it. That's not almost encouraging it. They are explicitly asking their players to perform that type of behavior or they wouldn't be practicing it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, But don't worry, uh, the Stuart Skinner haters um, won't get to see them in action against Florida this weekend because Stuart Skinner got put on the covid protocol as the omicron variant is ravaging the league still and the league seems to just think eh we'll just keep going um so miko koskin with-
2: it's not like the you know the chicken pox you can't get it once and then be done with it
0: you know well, don't can, tell the nhl they can that continue
2: <laughs> to cycle this through all their players for the rest of the season
0: yeah Not great, Um, but Koskinen will return to the net uh, against the Florida Panthers because he's basically their only option unless you decide to put in Ilya Konovalov into the net against the Florida Panthers in his NHL debut, which that might be one of the worst things you could do to a rookie. So Mikko Koskinen will get the honors of facing one of the hottest teams uh, in the Florida Panthers this coming Thursday. Uh, You know, I've always been a Miko Koskinen supporter, but this one, uh, this one coming up here is, is is looking to be tough. And I don't know if you can blame it on him. Or I don't think you can blame it on him. It's just not an ideal situation coming up for Koskinen.
1: I'm just trying to imagine how just objectively funny it would be if he just goes in there and just shuts everything down. You know, like maybe not a <laughs> shutout, but like at, to the point where like everybody looks at each other in that room like, now what? Right? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> shoot he played well. well now what do we do is, well is you know we again? would still
2: <laughs> potentially pull a, a winnipeg jets series and and fail to score you know we could yeah. always throw that one in as a variety
0: yeah that's, true. <laughs> that's uh well you know even if we win that game which we probably won't at this point if we continue playing the way uh the way are um if we if they win four two if three two, you know, all we're going to hear about is those two those two goals against Mikko Koskinen. The narrative against oh, yeah. Mikko Koskinen has gotten so volatile, so negative, and so just blatantly unfair at this point that the man can't do anything right. No,
1: so. and you well, wonder no. if it like yeah. goes back to like even his comments uh, earlier in the season or before the season started about how you know he was kind of he ripped the media a little bit for how he was treated last season, and you're kind of seeing the residual effect of, of that. Treatment come not only because of last season, but also because of those comments before the season. I wouldn't doubt if that had an influence.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. it Does oh. like how can you?
2: I mean, I'm gonna be fair to Mikko Kaskin and Our media started it.
1: Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I'm, <laughs> you know? You're not gonna get a different answer <laughs> of me.
2: But they uh, they definitely um, have. But the only thing he could do at this point that they would like is leave. Right. So wait
1: yeah. yeah. a
0: couple of months, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, the Oilers losing streak grows to six games. Uh, they've lost, this is their second consecutive, uh, six game losing streak after winning two in between the losing streaks, um, against Columbus and Seattle. So, uh, things aren't looking good. Uh, Dave Tippett himself is on an even worse streak. He's on a 12 game losing streak. He's lost 10 of those in regulation and two of those in a shootout or overtime. um, those two wins that the others had in between the losing streaks actually had Glenn Galton behind the bench as the head coach when he was on COVID protocol. So uh, an 0-10-2 and run for the head coach. Any sensible team, any sensible team in this league would fire the coach, especially for a team with as many expectations as the Edmonton Oilers have. With Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in their primes of the career, they are looking to be more than a playoff team. They hyped it up all summer. They got off to that brilliant start. And then you go on a 12-game skid as a head coach. That's a firing in 31 cities. But it looks like Ken Holland is absolutely dead set, absolutely set on doing absolutely nothing, which is, I think, just expected, I guess. If you've listened to this podcast, you've kind of come to expect that type of behavior from Holland. But the tweet that came out today that really got everyone riled up is that Ken Holland and his scouts and his scouts are over in uh, California living it up at their annual uh scouting meetings. while Edmonton is on fire right now. So, uh, my question to you guys is Is it possible, humanly possible, with Ken Holland at the helm, that we see Dave Tippett getting fired at some point this season?
1: Brief answer no, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, luckily. Uh, there is an easy out there in that Tippett's contract is up after the season so Holland mm-hmm. can maintain his little streak that he's so proud of uh, while still uh, getting a nice change in there but yeah no I just I can't see it even if it gets worse because I mean frankly if you look um, you know just over from California in Vegas they fired a head coach when they were first in the division at one point yeah um, you know it was a sad day for the Gerard ratio in the NHL for a, br- a br- brief moment <laughs> I was sad but you know, it kicked back up in New York, so it's fine.
2: I honestly think um, that the Oilers playoffs hopes are, are um, connected to whether or not um, there's a change in their management. So I think if Tippett's still here, um, which like Gerard, I foresee, um, you know, don't have a crystal ball and wish I was wrong, In my guess but i foresee Tibbet staying on and and i think that the Oilers, you know um i would love to say they squeak in and they go on a run but i just don't it, it doesn't seem possible to me um you know when when they were on their their run um early at the start of this season so many factors contributed to make that just work for them, including the, the quality of the teams they were playing. And a lot of those teams have picked it up significantly. Then I think since then, I think um, one of the better examples of that is Anaheim, right? You know, literally, you know, a dumpster that was on fire and now they're ridiculous.
1: Saved by Dallas Akins.
2: <laughs> I don't even like, it. like, please, I, this is awful but Anaheim,
1: fantastic.
2: Anaheim is, is doing so much better than they were. You know, they've turned a corner and I just don't foresee the Oilers being able to do the same unless there's a change in thinking. And I don't foresee a change in thinking with the current um, group because I think that if that were a possibility, we already would have done it. No one likes this whole fucking losing awfulness you know, what one playoff series, one set of playoff series victories in fifteen years. You know, if we wanted to be the Leafs, we could just all be Leafs fans. So you know, just I don't. I wish it wasn't true, but I think it is. I think that they need, and you've seen it. I've seen it on Twitter quite a bit, not just Preston's um, fire Holland fire tip at hashtags, but <laughs> that fans are are really starting to think. Um, organizationally, that there's not enough critical thinking and and not enough understanding of how the league works right now.
0: Yeah, I think one of the shocking things when you look at the standings today at the, as it stands is that there are teams within our own division, and, I've, and we're talking about the Anaheims, the, the Los Angeles Kings, uh, even San Jose to a certain degree. And then you look in at Detroit. Uh, these are teams that underwent full-blown rebuilds. While the Oilers had Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl winning the the Hart trophies, they've turned around those rebuilds faster than the Oilers have been able to turn Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl into a, a perennial playoff team, like a, a lock for oh. the playoffs and a threat in the playoffs every year. Detroit, to be fair, the team, the team that Holland left in absolute shambles have 41 points right now to Edmonton's 38. It's 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 abysmal. It's terrible. Let's let's honestly. be clear. You know, Connor McDavid may be the first
2: generational talent in a in a bit that you know Edmonton has wasted, but he's not the first overall draft pick. They have literally changed the draft lottery rules because they were getting too many. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're talking about not being able to turn things around because you seem incompetent, the Oilers have more than Ken Hall in there. But you, well, that's, you would that's think what I'm
0: that saying, though.
2: you would have thought that that would have given them an understanding of what not to do well i don't know maybe it,
0: it runs deep for sure and I, I'm, I'm saying this as a detriment to ken holland and more more succinctly a detriment to bob nicholson as well who has done nothing but fail in edmonton since he's been here and make mistake after mistake to absolutely waste mcdavid's
2: career. arguably a detriment uh, the real
0: detriment is in the ownership yeah daryl cates is um, even more at fault he doesn't
2: i think as long as um unfortunately for oilers fans who love the team you know for the cates as much as he says he loves the team the team is a business and it's still a, a profitable business even when it's losing so he's not going to you know make those big changes um i think Daryl Cates is too in love with the idea of what the Oilers were to turn the Oilers into something truly remarkable.
1: Well, that's where I see the one possible out for not just Tippett, but also Holland, maybe even Nicholson. And that is playoff revenue. And that is something that Daryl Cates probably cares deeply about that he might not get this season. And with the products he invested in on the ice to not have that extra revenue, I think that could go pretty far in his decision-making for anyone else employed in this, in this organization.
0: Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll but- go even further with that, I think the prospect of Connor McDavid asking for a trade could prompt some crazy change. That's been a cash cow ever since he's arrived on the Oilers for Daryl Cates. That's the guy. We who didn't bring need to arrive Oilers. on the Oilers. All they
2: needed was the golden ball.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Bill's Bill, Bill lucky it was. socks, actually. Bill's <laughs> lucky
1: socks.
2: I remember when they did their, did go to the playoffs, um, someone asked me, um, someone not in Edmonton asked me because it was the year they introduced that orange sweater it's such delight works so well with my coloring. Um, asked me if they'd given them out, if they'd been like a, a seat freebie because there were so many of them in the arena.
1: Um, like, yes.
2: and there's that, but you know, if they gave them out or not, there had been up to that season so many purchases of this new orange jersey that they still could have, you know, filled an arena full of people in orange jerseys. So the merchandise, the ability to merchandise the Oilers, Oilers players is just.
1: Oh, yeah, it's nuts.
2: Amazingly profitable.
1: But I'm going to go on a brief uh, tangent there with that one because, yes, they did send out. A new jersey per season seat uh, sold to season seat holders in at the start of the 1516 season. And then for the 2016 Heritage Classic, the oilers did not choose to design a new jersey for it, which actually shocked me. Like I was very surprised at that because that that's like the quintessential cash cow of the outdoor game experience is getting your fans to buy jersey that they'll wear for once outside and then two more times inside. So. Sorry, that was, that was very off. I was, I
0: was really, I was like really upset about that.
1: I was <laughs> so upset about it. They had Blake uh, Wheeler and Cam Talbot at uh, uh, downtown Winnipeg. They had like Wheeler come out with a nice retro jersey, like, oh, what are the other is going to get? Cam Talbot walks out in the exact same jersey that I already owned with his name on it, and <laughs> oh, okay. I
0: thought <laughs> so. I was hoping for a white version, but as soon as I see, uh, seen as soon as I seen that white Winnipeg jersey, I was like, oh no, we're just going to stamp pants, aren't we? yeah sorry that was a very brief uh tangent (laughs) but yeah um yeah but um the the only way we're going to find any it feels like the only way we're going to have any tangible change is if something it's going to be too little too late right once um ken holland bob nicholson are gone it's probably going to be us missing the playoffs that prompts that type of change And by then, I'm worried about what Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle will be doing. Like, they're well within their rights to demand a trade. And at this point, I wouldn't wouldn't blame them. I won't blame those guys for wanting a trade off Edmonton. It's clear that the management in place, the ownership in place, doesn't care enough about the team to make them an actual true competitor and Stanley Cup contender on a yearly basis. And I've seen people say, well, look at the Washington Capitals. Ovi had to wait how many years to get his cup. And my retort to that is, well, at least they were good. At least they were a lock to make the playoffs. They won president's trophies. They had Absolutely. a few runs, right? We're struggling to even get into the playoffs in our division, which is said to be one of the worst divisions in the game. So I just don't know how low you can get with with this management group. It's, it's just pretty sad at this point. Um, yeah, because
1: say- like, Alexander Ovechkin, you know, they'd run into the Pittsburgh Penguins in the second round every year, and the others have yet to make it far enough to figure out who their Pittsburgh Penguins is.
0: Yeah, we're getting bounced frank. by the, the lower seeds, right? The guys, the teams I shouldn't even be competitive with a team with Carmick David and Leon Tricytle on it. So, um, and we have a one in seven uh, record in the playoffs with Dave Tippett at the helm and with Ken Holland at the helm as well. So you could argue we're even further away than we were when peter shirelli was here
1: which is actually uh speaking of we're coming up on a very important anniversary on january 22nd which is uh, three years to the day of peter shirelli being fired by the M C
0: <laughs> well so. let's hope we get just something just a miracle happens and we can celebrate again on that day i remember on that day i was actually at mcewen and uh i had a break between classes when i got the news and i was like well they're going to be doing a news conference here soon so i ran over to uh to rogers place to watch it as they were announcing it and i i made it onto ctv that night so that was a <laughs> a fun warm and fuzzy memories from the old <laughs> <laughs> a man losing his job i'll never forget the day and uh, i'm hoping i don't forget the next day that happens with dave tippett and hopefully ken holland um hopefully someday soon yeah um you, you can take one positive thing. And I said before we started recording this episode that I wanted to end the the first half on a little bit of a positive note. And now that we've actually talked about all this, I don't know how positive you can actually be after talking all about all about that depressing stuff. But uh, one thing I liked in that Ottawa game was seeing Ryan McLeod fill in in that second center role between Zach Hyman and Yessi puliarvi I actually thought that was the best that line has ever looked even with dry settle on it all year like they were fantastic they were 4 check-in like in crazy sustained uh, zone time cycling the puck gain chances on net they didn't score but like they did everything but score so I was actually really impressed with uh, Ryan McLeod stepping up and actually making an impact on the game in uh, in the top six
1: yeah I think it's all about like Sometimes the best players don't always fit perfectly with the other best players. Sometimes you just need like a player like McLeod just to kind of, you know, his style just suits the hymens and Plodyarvis of the world. And in that sense, like I think it's fine if you want to put you know, quote unquote, third liner Yessie you Plodyarvi out there. It's just utilize that line. Don't just make it play five minutes because if you have a good line, just use it. Don't play Connor McDavid twenty-five minutes a night if they don't have to, right? Yeah. I think that's the that's the better key to the team's success than finding a winger from McDavid. I think it's just finding a bet, like a line that can just take some of the scoring burden off of him.
0: Yeah. Cause you know, Car McDavid's going to perform. Car McDavid's line is going to perform no matter who's on that line. So you need to exactly. find something to support it. And, uh, uh, the dry line has been kind of, uh, well, to lack of a better word, dry. They haven't been really uh, scoring that much or, or just not doing that much, but luckily Yamamoto, um, continued his, uh, uh, recent spike—he scored a goal on a really wonky breakaway chance. It worked. I won't judge him, but it's nice to see that he's kind of regaining his scoring touch after struggling so much in the the early season here. So those are a few positives I wanted to point out um, amongst the the depression-inducing Edmonton Oilers um, that we're we're experiencing right now. Um, so that's going to do it for our first half of the episode. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some recent changes to the Oilers lineup. Uh, lines from practice are a little bit different um going into the thursday matchup against the panthers the mcdry line broken up dry settle will get first line duties between uh zach hyman and Jesse pugliarvi well um david will be beside brendan perlini and who's the other guy on that line Fogel? that
1: is uh Sorry, no, it's Hyman, Pliarvi, tri Perlani, McDavid, Yamamoto, I think.
0: Yamamoto, okay. Yamamoto yeah. makes a jump back into the top six. And uh, Cassian, surprise, surprise, he ain't uh, a top six forward. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that in the next half of the episode. All right, and we're back. We left off on a little bit of a positive note after some very depressing uh uh, rants about the Oilers' management and how uh, they've continuously mismanaged everything they touched. And now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Dave Tippett's lineup choices, which is also very fun to talk about. Um, before we left, we mentioned it. McDry broken up, Perlini in the top six, Cassian's out of there, Yamamoto's back in there. So what do you guys make of these uh, changes to the lineup heading into the Panthers' games this Thursday?
1: Uh, You're muted, chat.
0: Oh, Shona, you're muted. That's that's
2: you know, um really good for the listeners. They don't have to hear me. But I was gonna say I thought every, I thought they, they they kept telling me anyone could do really well with McDavid, but Zach Cassian has gone on a concerted effort for this last few games to prove them wrong, hasn't he? He is not looked yes, but I just I don't <laughs> think overall he's getting any yeah, um no. positive kind of uh look. Or like whatever from being playing up there with McDavid, so I think I'm um, hopeful someone finds some wood to knock on because I am trying to be hopeful that you know um, him coming out of the top six will take some of the pressure off of his game and he'll kind of maybe settle and be a little less of a detriment to his team. Also, can can one of you or someone listening? Please explain to me exactly what Darnell Nurse has done to be considered for the All Stars.
1: He is a member of the Edmonton Oilers, and everybody needs to have a last man in on the ballot. He gets paid. There's only eight
2: people. There's lots more teams than eight there, Gerard.
1: Wait. No, in our division, like there's one per team per division.
2: Oh, that's gross. Why him? It should have been Jesse That's my hot take. I Oh mean, yeah,
1: he, Jesse Plecyarvey in an All Star game would be pretty fun. That would, would be. Uh, just, he would
0: win. Saying, he would get like,
2: in. <laughs> I I looked at production's not there, shooting's not there, defensive defending isn't there. I, I was just
0: the contract is though. He's getting paid like an All Star, so he damn well better be an All Star. Uh,
2: Unfortunately, was just...
1: there are no leadership competitions. Otherwise, Duncan Keith. Oh, would Oh, Duncan
0: be there. Keith would win that one. No Uh, doubt about it.
2: For crying out loud, the two of you cannot be more anti-Duncan Keith than I am. It makes me look (laughs) bad.
1: Fastest leadership competition goes to Duncan Keith.
0: He would leadership the hell out of that. It would be a a sight to see. Lowest
2: to report sexual assault also.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, he'd be sweeping the categories here. Too bad he's not in it. Uh.
2: (laughs) Anyway, no, I was just wondering if there was a concrete... um, metric I was missing when I went because I was quite confused. I went looking. I was like, huh, I'll just I'll look and see if there's like a, a metric or an analytic that supports this because you know sometimes guys have great underlying numbers even if they aren't performing really well. We saw that earlier this season with Puyarvi. But uh I couldn't find it.
0: To be fair, nurses uh uh analytics um are pretty all right um this year the the just the the statistical uh like points shot uh goals assists are just not there for him this year he's his shooting percentage has gone down considerably from last year um, yeah because
2: last year it was unsustainable she well he scored all annually. his goals
0: against the ottawa senators <laughs> that's, that's the thing
2: where was he lo- where was he on saturday then
0: he scored one he got one there yeah. I,
2: I did see that
0: um and i know a sections of twitter had a had a laugh at that because uh Uh, That's he just kills the sends for some reason. Um, Yeah. So McDryard's broken up. I think that's a positive Uh, Perlini making the jump into the top six. Not something I would have done, but also I'm kind of curious to see how it works out. Cause I, I like Perlini in the bottom six. I love his shot. If he can just act as a trigger man on that line, he could, it could work. And I guess if you're desperate enough to do it, as you others are right I now, why I not? My,
2: I hear I hear the, the ghosts of Corey Travers' past telling us that he's going to go on a heater or something like that. Of, <laughs> I
0: know I, Corey. I hear, yeah, Travers Corey, really like They're telling
2: me not to sleep on Brendan Perlini.
0: I I just, so. All I need
1: like to-, to do is summon the preseason powers of Magnus Pajarvi and Ty Ratty that he had earlier this year, or last year, I should say. And he's just used that in these in the regular season and it's going to be fine.
2: To be fair to yeah. Magnus Pajarvi, his, for his rookie year was very good. Not just oh, yeah. his first preseason. His rookie year and part of his sophomore year were also very good.
1: Oh, yeah, it's no, good. absolutely.
2: Oilers! <laughs> he got Oilers,
0: my bad. Well, it to Patrick be fair, it's
1: the Lightning in preseason, you know, can't beat that.
0: <laughs> to be fair to Poole, or not um, out of all the young players... one that, uh, among all the young players we've traded away in terrible deals, I actually like the trade for him. That oh, was, yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. David Perron. Um,
1: Shout out Craig McTavish uh, David... for actually, like, the two trades there. Payarvi for Perron. Like, Payarvi in a second for Perron. And then Perron for Klinkheimer in the first. We don't talk about what that first ended up being. No. For obvious yeah, the reasons. first, but...
0: it was just, it just vanished. No, it just, for some like... reason, the
1: league just took it away for no reason. It was very yeah, it unfair. Was...
0: Totally unfair but, to Craig. Nothing else of note happened afterwards. Sorry.
2: Hold on. I'm drawing a blank. The league didn't technically take it away. We just wasted it, right?
0: We uh well if you I want don't to know get who Griffin Reinhard
1: is away. and I don't want to get into it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that first that we traded back yeah, to my, uh
0: Matthew Barzel yeah. is just a name I thought of. It's not an actual player that exists. All
2: right. <laughs> and you know, to be fair to the uh the scouting staff at that point in time, you know, all the evidence that they had pointed to Reinhardt being a very good defenseman. Unfortunately, it didn't materialize a but lot of, if I think I a lot at, of if it. I look at if I look at the uh, the draft class before and after that one um I'd say a good two-thirds of the players that were drafted first round aren't aren't playing right now in the NHL. so yeah, it's certainly an interesting couple of years. The i home, don't know like,
0: I, won't, I I wish i saw some more of what went into that trade because i think the bulk of the thinking was that bob green was like that boy's an oil king he won a memorial he, Cup. Was very, yeah, he, 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 was he was very he he was very tough um,
2: if you watched him he was obviously you know in junior um his skating wasn't such a liability which it wasn't the nhl level he was a he probably still plays hockey so i'm not going to put him in the past tense but he is a very very smart um defender yeah. and that you could really see that when um some of his weaknesses weren't consistently being exposed but um to be quite frank most of the oilers blue line doesn't have the hockey iq that griffin reinhardt displayed in junior or darnell nurse would have better fucking gap control. Or um not times i mean like to be to be quite frank if you can uh gap control and back check and uh counter keegan keegan lowe's love of the bad pinch um while his dad sits on the board of governors you're doing pretty good in junior so <laughs> but that's again that's um like i said one of the things that he ha- he would have had more time because the skating it, for the majority of why he didn't pan out was he couldn't he couldn't skate at the speed that he needed to to uh, to really be a threat in the NHL.
0: Yeah, which is unfortunate. Because uh, the rest is of it was there? Um, I remember watching uh, a little bit of, of Griffin Reinhardt over in the old Kings, and I was very impressed back then. But when the Oilers traded for him, that was a very that was a King's ransom for him at the time, I think. Um,
1: well, it anyways. was the prevailing story was that. I think that was the original offer that they made for Dougie Hamilton, but Boston just didn't want to trade with Peter Chiarelli. And so they just took that package and then Peter just said, here, this guy instead. And Um, to be fair,
2: he'd been drafted fourth the year before, right?
1: uh, Greiner was 2012, wasn't he? And then he was er,
2: What year did they trade? No, he wasn't 2012. He was like 20, maybe 2013. He's not, he's not that different in age from Sam. So because they played junior against each other for like three years, so he can't be that different in age. I don't think he was a 2012 uh well, Sam fourth, was 2012 fourth,
0: fourth overall in 2012. He was 2012.
2: In 2012.
0: Okay, well, I'm
2: partly right and Gerard's partly right.
1: Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, 2012 <laughs> draft, and then three years later traded. And then I the other theory was that the Oilers were never gonna pick Barzell anyway because it was going to be the Yol neck that eventually went okay. to Minnesota.
0: Still good play, still a good player. Still
1: I mean, like it's still like I, to that, I just say, like, that doesn't help. That just means they also just didn't get a decent player.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, can, can, you like, imagine, can you imagine offering a package for Dougie Hamilton and then getting rejected and then being like, okay, well, I'm going to offer the same thing for Griffin and Like, uh, I've already yeah.
1: assembled the details in the, the document. I don't really want to redo it. So,
0: <laughs> um,
1: And
2: I don't know. I can't imagine... This one boggles me too. I can't imagine so thoroughly burning my bridges with an employer that they literally won't talk to me.
0: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's a Peter Shirely experience.
2: I'm just saying like it, it boggles my mind. I've worked for companies that I've left and I wouldn't want to talk to them. But if I had to, I still can. Like there's, <laughs> there's a certain level of. What's the word I'm looking for here? Professionalism. You would think hockey men would laugh. <laughs>
1: have especially yeah in the nhl where the, the camaraderie is so intense that the only there's only like,
2: 35 of them
1: yeah yeah i mean up until you know the whole the recent ron haxtell bobby clark thing we haven't really seen any of that sort of like animosity towards any kind of former employee
0: yeah luckily the one thing that um a lot of people focus on other than the reinhardt trade um, thanks to the Boston Bruins, they flubbed on three of their first consecutive picks in that draft as well. Um, so we weren't the most embarrassing team that year. At least we got McDavid out of it. Um,
1: and Cam Talbot.
0: And Cam Talbot, who is I'm now gone Cam. and an all star in Minnesota.
1: <laughs> but still yeah, the franchise.
2: Our Oilers' ghoulies in Minnesota.
0: That's yeah, true. Yeah. Devin Dubnik, Brzegolov.
1: Future Olympian Devin Dubnik. Ah,
2: yes. so excited. Mm.
0: That's what's keeping me.
1: <laughs>
2: i am never more excited. see this podcast unite in excitement more than future <laughs> Devin Doom-Nick.
0: Um that's that's I'm almost more excited for Devin nick Team Canada action than I am for uh for just Oilers hockey now. I'm so excited. I am
2: definitely more excited to see if he makes that team and see him play if he goes in the Olympics than I am for any kind of Oilers hockey guys. <laughs>
0: i was duped on a fake post of the the roster that had like kevin Bieska on it and um oh who are some other guys on there it was just a bunch I think of like paul bj
1: was another one too yeah yeah
0: I, I thought that was real for a second i was like damn team canada's going a different direction dang, here. <laughs> shane Doan's getting all of his old friends Ooh. <laughs> um so I, I don't know i got i got totally had on that one until i seen someone say that was fake and i was like okay well that makes a lot more sense um,
2: that might explain why we had a don't get got in our uh our uh copper and blue twitter or er, twitter group all right lots of stuff's coming out people don't get got
0: yeah <laughs> no what? <laughs> what you gotta Who watch got out got? for the the mr booths and the i believe it's koski daddy is the other guy that uh, mm-hmm. likes to to imitate people you gotta watch out for those guys um anyways we kind of we got way off topic here um
1: That's entirely my fault. I apologize.
0: It's fine. What were we going to talk about? Zach Cassian's not a top six because he's not a top six player. eh. (laughs) We've heard it all before here. The moves are interesting. We'll see how they work out against a really good Panthers team on Thursday. Uh, Speaking of which, I think we're reaching.
2: We're throwing top six wingers at the wall and seeing who sticks. Don't worry. At
0: this point, you know, it's desperation all over the team. Why not try Perlini in there? (laughs) What's the worst that could happen, right? Um, we've already lost six, twelve of the last fourteen. What's thirteen out of the last fifteen at this point? Um, rummaging
1: through the trunk for a spare Patrick Maroon that they just can't find.
0: <laughs> um, so I think we're going to get to the to the last who segment here. Patrick
2: Maroons, do we have?
0: <laughs> I was a I was one of the people who said um, after the first year of having Patrick Maroon on the Car McDavid line, I was like, okay, but don't run it back again because I doubt he does that again. And then they ran it about, ran it back again, and he didn't do it again. So, um, I'm always a a proponent of if a guy who has been a bottom sixer for most of his career all of a sudden goes crazy in the top six for one year, it's probably because he's just hitting a, a shooting uh, bender or something like that. Um, don't. That's rely obviously
2: on it. in Oilers' logic. That's obviously when you offer him a giant contract.
0: I'm surprised we didn't. I'm pleasantly surprised we didn't offer him a giant contract uh unlike we did to nurse and we kind of did to uh mike smith as well not huge but the year and cassian as well um wow is ken holland worse at doing that than peter shrelly was no oh no i mean mean,
1: if you look at uh his last couple (laughs) years in detroit yes
0: (laughs) i mean i mean uh peter shrelly had some weird moves in his last things but Oh, my. I don't even think about it. I don't even want to think about it. We're going to get All into right, our last segment ahead. here. Um,
2: ahead, I'm, The Panthers are on Thursday.
0: Panthers are on Thursday. Calgary on uh, Saturday, I believe. So it's going to be one game against a very, very good Panthers team who has been averaging something like insane, like six goals a game. Did they drop nine on the Tampa Bay Lightning or something the other day?
1: I want to say it was Columbus. They
0: dropped nine on some Columbus. team.
2: I think it's your right. And it was Columbus. Yeah, I don't they, think it nine was nine 2
0: today. they dropped seven against the stars. Like they're absolutely rolling coming into Edmonton here. So it's going to be an interesting uh, game between those two clubs. Where are your guys' score predictions here? I, I want scores in this prediction because I'm guessing it's going to be lopsided.
1: Mm. I want to go last.
2: All right, I'm gonna go with uh, six two for the Panthers.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say eight one. Man, they're rolling. We're struggling. It's a perfect storm for an absolute blowout.
2: Come on, no, not an absolute blowout.
1: I'm gonna say. Asking
2: will never hear the end of it.
1: Defense optional, eight to six.
2: Eight
0: to six. Okay. Except defense optional. Except
1: the Oilers will be winning six to three. At
0: one point. Okay, that's fun. Defense like that.
2: optional? When I mean, have we freaking ever taken the option to implement a defense? I think that that's going true. more
0: towards the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, that'd be fun. I'm just thinking of what, what
2: I didn't no. realize there was a checkbox. I just needed to check a box and we could have a defense.
0: What would be okay. more devastating? An eight-one loss or an eight-six loss where we had a six-three lead in the third period? Then, oh, in the yeah. third
1: period. Okay, I just said at some point. I didn't at say some third
0: point. Period. Okay, we'll go with yours. What's what's worse, an eight-one loss or or that type of loss?
2: Do you want? That's to the fun part. Is you don't
0: really know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. What would what's more likely to get Dave Tippett fired? I know he won't get Nothing. fired. but What's more likely?
2: Nothing. I like, I like
0: keeping a shred of hope in my uh, in my mind. Okay, so we're job, going to get
2: Dave Tippett has more job security than anyone else I've ever seen. Okay,
0: <laughs> so we're going to lose against Florida. We're going in against Calgary Saturday. Calgary is also struggling. They also have a date with Florida a day before Florida comes to Edmonton. So it's kind of the battle of the losers here instead of the battle of Alberta. Um, who do we got in that one? Oh.
2: Not mm. the fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say Edmonton will win that one. They're like, um, sometimes there's more energy for Calgary, so I'm going to give it to Edmonton.
1: I'll say 3-1 to one, Edmonton. Ilya Konovalov gets his first NHL win.
0: Oh. And,
1: and, and Tyler Benson scores his first NHL goal. You know, you the were. other
2: really positive thing I saw yeah. it's the, in the media weren't completely like lambasting Benson. So
1: that's right. People Jim were Matheson, like, you have a shot.
2: And I was Jim just Matheson, like, what the heck is happening
0: here? Is it's hot. time
1: for the big brain plays. And that's going to, that's Saturday. <laughs>
0: Uh, Benson's not getting in over Shore. Let's be real. Let's be real. Well, here.
1: no, Shore's gonna like get COVID protocol or something after the Panthers game. That's how this works.
0: Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> the the Konovalov thing's got me excited now. I'm kind of because if if Koskinen does get blown out in that Florida game, we won't have Skinner.
1: That's right. No, so Mike.
0: Have to be Konovalov. That's the only other option. Unless you want to roll Skinner again, but with the way, or if you're unless you want to roll Koskinen again, but with the way everyone's been talking about him don't know if you could do that. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think I'll take this is a hard one for me. <laughs> it's gonna be close to one Edmonton. I'll say. And it goes to overtime. McDavid Dressel do their thing and uh they win it. That's my prediction. Uh, I'm also hoping of makes it. That I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna to commit to it, but I'm very hopeful of it. That would be pretty fun. Uh, even if we lose just to see Konovalov in that in that would be pretty fun.
1: It's the time of the year where you're just hoping for just the weirdest and just nonsensical stuff. And, it's uh, something. To go exactly.
0: Right. exactly. Awesome. All right. I think I that's going to do I it. I thought, it
2: thought this was the time of the year where we were supposed to see our team buckle down and start pushing towards the playoffs, not trying to pull others? a rabbit out of its hat. Never mind. I'll just, you know, take, you myself off, <laughs> take myself off take myself off to be grumpy in peace.
1: Ilya Konovalov, Jordan Binnington.
2: You know Whoa. what? No, we can't. We can't accept Jordan Bennington. Um, we have okay. enough pieces of shit already.
1: Okay. No, you but know, like we are the, full the, the of scenario. The scenario is, is acceptable. you know, I'll just say the scenario between the two.
0: Yeah. Conovalo, I can take it. I can Bennington. live. is saying. better. There's there's a hierarchy here. Connivall of is better. We're not saying Connivall is Bennington. We're saying Connivall is gonna be better. Okay, that's well, our hot take so to end this episode. I'm, just so, saying. I'm just is saying. Saving the season. We're calling it right now. Let it ride. Let's go. Awesome. All right, Carnival of when going saving the season, taking us to a cup. It's set in stone already. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.